And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment, along with Pressbox, presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you and our listening audience on this Saturday, June the 8th. Uh, Stan the Fan and Craig Heist, your bat around guys, are here for two hours of baseball chat. Craig Heist, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Stan. How are you? Good. I understand you finished up the night at the uh, Costas Inn last yeah, night. Yeah, it's a uh, Rat Pack Friday night, first Friday of every month. Uh, Rick Oliger and the Rat Pack are in there, and... Uh, so if it's the first Friday of the month, that means that you and Nick, we we, we, we sang. Absolutely. You sang. you sang. Right. Not we sang. You right. sang. Right. What'd you sing? Born to Born to Run. Born to Run. Bruce Springsteen. How did it get? How did it go over last? I, my my part was flawless. Okay. All right. <laughs> now was that during the uh, tie the game tying and winning uh, rally? By yeah, the that was in the bottom of the ninth inning at the time, and when I went back to my seat and sat no at the bar. There's no way you could have said, guys, hold on a second. No, they no, 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 song. no. And that song needs to be played. It needs, it to, needs to be done. To be all right, all right. And I walked back to the bar, sat down, and... Uh, Hosmer was on third already. Hosmer was on third base, and Doolittle was trying to shut it down and uh, just couldn't quite get it done. Did you ever see his triple? I did not. Yeah, it really hit, it, it hit so hard off the wall, because I don't think Eaton made a bad play. He went too close in. And the and ball, the ball shot really by the, shot yeah. past him yeah. and uh, Robles, who was playing center field, uh, who made a really a- a- excellent throw to third base. But uh, it was pretty amazing performance. Doolittle then strikes out Reyes, mm-hmm. swinging on a real high pitch, and Reyes beat the beat the bat to and death. broke his bat. I saw yep. that. Yep. And in the next pitch was a high fastball, which just got shot back up the middle uh, yep. past. Uh, Pass Doolittle, and so, really the the shortstop Trey Turner was playing more up the middle, but the ball was hit that hard yeah, that it was he was really yeah. hit. It was it was shot. Uh, so I don't have a big problem with Naylor getting the hit. I don't have a big problem with Hosmer getting a triple, which is really the big part of that play because if he's on second and not third, they may still still hold on to win that game. Right. It's a possibility. But my big problem starts in the top of the ninth inning. When Gomes drives in the winning run, mm-hmm. uh, the, the go-ahead run, he ends up on second base. Right. And then why is he why is he trying to tag up? I have no idea, base? but you cannot absolutely not make the last out at, at third, third base. base in that situation. Yeah. Absolutely. Terrible, terrible situation. And then another Gomes play, Craig, and I was in the midst of doing a couple of multitasking at the time. I wasn't singing Born to Run, but um, – did you understand? No, nor would we want well, you no, to. No, but I was alone, so uh, <laughs> that, that wouldn't have been that bad. Wouldn't have been that bad. No. Uh, but do you have any idea how that guy stole second base without eliciting? Oh yeah, throw? he didn't. Yeah, because Doolittle stole it off Doolittle. Did totally. Little. And right, and as Doolittle said after the game, I'm not so much worried about that. 
uh, I'm concentrating totally on the hitter at that point. He said, because if I do my job, it doesn't matter whether he steals second base or not. Well, and, well, and the ball got it, right. Yeah, it turned out it did kind of matter. Yeah. All right. Uh, t- two tough losses in a row, though, by the Nats. Uh, jumping out with the momentum they had, right? Going out, nine of eleven, out and four four nothing lead on Thursday night with Corbin on the hill, and then coming back last night, they lo- found two different ways to lose close ball games that you you'd certainly like to have one of those. Yeah, you would have. You would have liked to have had one of them, and actually, they were both winnable games. Yep. And the reason they're important losses right now is because you have. Uh, Scherzer and Strasburg pitching games three and four tonight and tomorrow, and you have to like your chances pretty much with those two guys on the mound. One positive, and then we'll turn to the Orioles. Uh, Eric Fetty did pitch a good ball game. Pitched a great ball game last night. That's three in a row where he's continued to get better and given them a chance to win and kept them right there where they need to be. And if he continues to do that, they may have solidified the back end of that rotation a little bit. Flipping over to the Orioles, you have to like now three starts by Gabriel Inoa. He's done just what you said, or four starts. Is it three or four? I think it's three. Okay. But he's done exactly what you mentioned about Fetty. He's given his chance, a te- a, he's given his team a chance to win the game. Right. And uh, again, last night, and, and just now. One bad inning. One hmm. bad inning, and you're looking at some of the injuries now that the Orioles have right now with guys on the IL. But yet, God, you got to look. The, you got to love the fight. I mean, I watched that game before the Nats. All three losses. All three losses, losses were, were very tough, hard-fought games and gut-wrenching losses. Yeah. Because you, you know, we saw earlier in the week when you get uh, performances like you got out of uh, out, out of uh, Dylan Bundy and also John, John Means, yep. and then you don't win either one of those games. Those are tough to swallow. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, your thoughts last night on um, won the run? It was great. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Yes, it was. Uh, you, you've seen a little bit now in two nights because he came in on Thursday night due to an injury. But you've seen a little bit of Chance Cisco. He looks a little bit different at the plate than he did last year. Yeah, but the, here's the bottom line: his defense is, right, not, is not very good. And yeah. last night, the final play, and I still don't know. I never How they saw call, yeah. he, he never touches the plate. Cisco never touches him with the ball, and yet the plate umpire is sitting there pointing at the plate like the runner had touched the plate, and he I never didn't. saw any evidence of that. At None. All. But does it matter when the play is like sort of dismissed and everybody goes into the dugouts? Did Chance Cisco ever touch him with the ball? Well, that's that's my question, and I yeah. never saw that. Yeah, I never really saw yeah. that either. At the same time, he like touched them. With the glove, but the ball was out of the glove. Right. Yeah. You would like your catcher to be able to short hop that ball and because he did everything perfectly on that ball. Well, in terms of getting in a position where he could make the play and without to, blocking and, the plate, yes. But block it at the appropriate time. Block it at the appropriate time. But that's when you have the ball, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if that's what they argue. Is it possible that that's the rule that he didn't have the ball? And well, and, we know, you know he didn't have the ball. So, so if they, he didn't have the ball, in other words, you, you probably the letter of the law on that rule is you actually have to have possession of the ball before you can block get, the ball. Oh, block absolutely. That is the rule. Well, maybe that's what they're saying is that he, disall- he didn't allow him 
the right to get to the base, and he never controlled the ball. He well, never controlled the ball. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've not seen quotes or anything of that nature. It was uh, frustrating. Now, did I read something last night? I thought I did on Masson that the, the club has optioned Brandon Klein. Yeah, they did option Brandon Klein. Did it announce who they were uh, bringing no, up? No, okay. they did not. Yeah. I actually think I love Brandon Klein. And don't actually, get me don't don't get me wrong. So this is not a bashing of Brandon Klein, but the the same theory that the club used in sending DJ Stewart back to the minor leagues in spring training, the same theory that they used in sending Chance Cisco back, I didn't find it to be what was what was occurring with Brandon Klein. In other words, Brandon Klein came to the major leagues with a seven-point ERA at AAA. So where was the finished product of development there? Now, he had had a terrific year, and I think they thought that, hey, this is part of what we're doing. We're teaching guys at the major leagues. I like Brandon Klein. I think he's a stone-cold possibility to be the setup guy, the main setup guy, or the closer, should they trade Michael Givens, <clears throat> down the road in not too far distant future. I think this is a good send-down, though. I think he should be the closer at Norfolk for three weeks to a month, and I'll bet he'd come back and really have polished up his his work. Well, and again, Rock Kabako, traveling with the team, said that he had been scored upon Klein. Yeah, in about his seven straight times. In his last five outings, yeah. right. Uh, he always so gives up a run. He gives up. The, the unfortunate home run here and there, but you got to like the electric arm. Oh, there's no question. There, there's no question. And then, you, you know, then it's a matter of refining what he's out there doing right. and being able to make pitches when he needs to. And, you know, if, I agree with you. I think he'd be a total setup guy. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and Brandon Hyde, after the game, quoted, we were still waiting for him to touch the plate. I'm waiting for us to tag him, right. and I'm waiting for him to touch the plate. I don't think that's happened yet. Maybe it is right now. <laughs> yeah, I like Brandon's sense of humor. Brandon does have a good sense yes, of humor. Yes, he does. He does. I liked his thing the other night. We're going to go to the airport and wearing bubble wrap. Mm-hmm. You know, that was pretty good. Um, so the Orioles get these couple injuries, uh, one to D.J. Stewart. you got to feel bad for D.J. Stewart, who has worked his tail off for four, four and a half years now to get – a real major league opportunity. You know, last September he showed himself a little bit uh, but didn't make the club out of spring training. In fact, was sent down reasonably early. Um, he, he worked his tail off at the minor leagues, improved the AAA, right. was putting up big numbers. And I was hopeful, not that D.J. Stewart is going to be a star, but I was hoping he would make his mark and sort of carve out a niche as at least one of four outfielders. Yeah, and uh, I think he can still do that. Yeah. Uh, this is a setback. But, again, this is a little bit of a setback for him because, number one, now he can't get on the field. <laughs> Excuse me. And now that, then, then you're going through probably a little bit of a rehab issue. And the same way with Dwight Smith. You know, yeah. you're, you're looking at now he's in concussion protocol, and he'll be on – that's the seven-day concussion protocol – and uh, you and I have watched a lot of Oriole baseball mm-hmm. over the last 30 years. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you recall a team who seems to have as many problems with outfielders and infielders either coming near collision, colliding, or not sensing where the wall is? I, I just I find, like Dwight Smith, 
had no idea he was about to run into the wall. Mm-hmm. So what happens mentally with him that he's not sensing I'm touching the warning track because mm-hmm. he turned and did a plant right into that wall. Right, and uh, it, it, it's kind of tough to to watch. It's even tougher to understand. Uh, when you hit the warning track, you have to, because you will see guys a lot of times when they hit the warning track, if they're feel for the, feel, feel feel for the wall or whatever like that. He yeah, had no sense to. But when you're going full bore, yeah. it is is it is a tougher thing, I yeah. think. You know, because regardless whether you know you're on that warning track or not, if you're going full bore, you're, you're going to hit the wall. And you're concentrating on the and ball. Yeah, you're concentrating on the ball. You are going to hit the wall. It's just a matter of how you hit it. Yeah. And uh, kind of like singing "Born to Run," kind of, yeah, in, in a way. <laughs> and and Nick and I hit a wall many <laughs> nights. But anyway, uh, here's the deal with that, though: is the you know Brandon said after the game or a couple nights ago that you know this could be longer than a seven day thing with him. So we'll wait and that see. That would be tough. That would yeah. be tough. This guy's driven in 41 runs right. this year. Uh, but you didn't really answer my question. I fi- I have found the well, now I, you've got you got moving parts. To answer you your question, people. You to know. answer your question, yeah. one. Recently, in recent years, I would say that's been more of an issue, especially not so much running into the wall, but center field, left fielder, center fielder, right this fielder. Year, I've seen it more getting, than I've seen getting the last, too close. I mean, somebody's yeah. got to take control, and yeah. usually it's the center fielder. Yeah, and what you have is you got Mancini playing a bit of a new position in right field. You had Mullins earlier in the year who really probably wasn't taking as much charge as he should have. Mm-hmm. Then you have Wilkerson who's never really played the position. But I've just seen – and Alberto on that play with D.J. Stewart. Alberto, you know, again, I love the – I love the what, – what did Buck used to call it? The want-to? Yeah. I mean, he's got more want-to than anybody. But I'd like to see the want-to with a little awareness of, hey, I'm – I'm nearly uh, – the right fielder must be somewhere nearby. There was, like, no recognition of that, and I felt bad for Stewart to get hurt on a play like yeah. that. Yeah. And it could have been much worse, too. It, yeah, you're right. Could, that, that, I don't understand why they had that brick – that uncovered brick there. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a factor in the play. All right, today it'll be uh, Andrew Kashner uh, pitching for the Orioles. And um, who was pitching for the um, – the Astros. It's not Verlander. It's Valdez. Valdez. Framber yeah. Framber yeah. Valdez is pitching today. And then Bundy goes against our old friend Wade Miley tomorrow. Uh, not not an easy uh, chore to win one of these games in Houston right now. No, especially with the way they're playing because no matter whether thoughts you think, and, and like we saw, we saw in these uh, games, uh, these first two, and, you know, you're playing well against them. You've got uh, – a situation where you're in the ball game and you need a clutch hit here or there and uh, they find a way to get you out but the other part of that is too when they're not doing things too well offensively all of a sudden in the late innings they've got enough experienced players and they find a way to get a guy on move him over and get a clutch hit we want to remind you that you're listening to the batter round and it is uh, live in the live casino hotel studios we're here every saturday in the live casino hotel studios and uh, Glenn Clark broadcasts every day, Monday through Friday, in the live casino hotel studios. And we also uh, put out the Ross Grimsley show every Tuesday at 9 o'clock, also from the live casino hotel studios and more exciting stuff ahead. 
um, to uh, promote as we uh, continue to grow our podcast um, footprint. Uh, on the show today, Todd Karpovich is going to be on with us in uh, about five minutes. Uh, he's the Orioles uh, beat writer for PressBox, PressBoxOnline.com. 10.45, we're going to have a second visit from Kevin Coward, who's written this book that is getting some great publicity, including the New York Times, did it, did an the interview failing with, New York Times yes. uh, best-selling list. Did an uh, interview with uh, Adam Eaton and gave him a copy of that book. Was it autographed? Uh, it was not autographed, oh, uh, wow. but I gave him a copy of the book for him to read because uh, he was part uh, he, of that. He, he played in that game, yes, yeah. Yes, he did. All right. And he had some very interesting insights to it from the standpoint of, he said, it might have been the worst day in Major League history. Well, I don't know whether or not you go that far, but it's, it's, it was it, pretty it bad. Was pretty bad. Pretty yeah. bad. I want to talk to Kevin this time <clears throat> about the, the subhead. I mm-hmm. have no problem with the title of the book, When the Crowd Didn't Roar. And I realize in the aftermath of it, you may have wanted to say how baseball's strangest game ever gave a broken city hope. But in light of what Baltimore has been through in the four years since this uh-huh. game, mm-hmm. I don't think that that subhead holds up to me. I, I don't know whether it holds up, but I think a lot of people know or or, or make the point that because of what happened that weekend right. – this city still has not recovered from that. That's what I would say. And, as a yeah, recovered from. And, and the other part of that is, now granted, you can talk about the team's ineptitude in the last two years, last year and then the, the, the first part of the first 50 games or 60 games of this season. Right. But getting people to come out to the games. It's a, it's a problem. It, 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 there's an issue But, but there. I think the larger thing is is more more than getting people to come to the games. It's the restaurants in Little Italy. Right. It's all the other businesses that have closed down because of this. Right. Uh, you know, and we're mainly talking about entertainment-type businesses that call upon people to be willing to come to downtown Baltimore. And it's not something that a lot of suburban folks – are and I'm saying that willing to do. I think it's black and white people that don't live in Baltimore City. I don't think with images still fresh from just two weeks ago. Well, you know with that fight on Light Street. I I totally agree with you. Yeah. I, you know I was at, talking to Adam about it and he said in the interview he said at our hotel right they canceled the first game they canceled the second game and I guess we finally got to play that that right. game. And uh, he said, but when we're at the hotel, you could, you could smell the fire from, you know, cars burning yeah. and things of that nature. He said, and it was really scary, yeah. Yeah. scary And time. they were probably per- fairly protected. I'm sure they know, were, Getting yeah. to and from the ballpark. Uh, it's interesting, Craig. It's ironic. It's four years later this book is out. And Jeff Samarja was the starting pitcher for the White Sox. Right, and I, and I said to him, I said to Samarja after the game, I said, Did you enjoy this uh, No, no, no. I said, I, I said, what do you remember about the last time you pitched here? He says, well, he said, Chris Davis hit a, hit a change up way out of the ballpark. Right. He said, uh, Manny Machado had probably the game of his life. He said, but nobody was here, so I don't think it counts. <laughs> Well, he pitched a nice ball game yeah, the other day. He did. Here. He yeah, did. Yeah, a guy who's clearly has not reached his potential. May got a big contract from mm-hmm. the Giants after he left the Cubs, but has not gotten the uh, the results that you would have thought out of his career. I remember, and we'll get to Todd in just a second. I remember 
Samarja was still a minor leaguer when the Red Sox were negotiating with the Cubs about compensation for uh, Theo Epstein going, mm-hmm. to going the Cubs. from Boston to the Cubs. Yeah. And I, I was in a emailing relationship at the time with Larry Lucchino, and I said, you ought to ask for this guy, Jess Samarja. Mm-hmm. And he goes, they'd never give us Samarja. I said, well, maybe they wouldn't give him to you, but what if it was Theo Epstein and like somebody from your A, like your A team, your A league, mm-hmm. and you got Samarja, who at that time had just gotten into AAA. He said, that's an interesting thought, but it never came to pass. And the other interesting thing about Samarja is not only did he pitch that one game at Camden Yards that nobody got a chance to see right. because nobody was allowed in the ballpark, but he also played over at M&T Bank Stadium for Notre Dame against Navy, and it's the only game in his college career that he did not score a touchdown. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And, well, and Was he a tight end? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, receiver. receiver. And, and, and he winds up. Uh, they they wind up playing that game. I think they won it like twenty-one to ten. And if anybody will know, it's our next guest. It's our, yeah, but twenty-one to ten. Anyway, he says he says we played it in like two hours and ten thirty minutes, something like that. Right. It was a very short because all Navy does is run the football. Yep. He says, and we got home in time. It was on Halloween. He says we got home in time that we all took off for Purdue for a Halloween party afterwards. Good for Jeff Samarja. Absolutely. All right. Joining us right now is Todd Karpovich, who uh, covers all manner of sports. And I'll bet you remember that Navy Notre Dame game, Todd. Oh yeah, I, I covered Navy football for the AP. Yeah, so <laughs> Navy had some a run a couple of years there before Notre Dame started reloading. But um, yeah, it's a fun rivalry. All right, Todd. We welcome you on uh, things. Uh, not getting much easier on the playing field for the Baltimore Orioles. They seem to be playing a little bit better. Uh, they broke a streak this series of three series in a row where they had won the first game of the series, only to not be able to grab a second win. Uh, but they lose the opener in Houston. It's their third straight loss. Yeah, they'll, they, they trade a, uh, they'll trade losing that first game to win the next two, right? Yep. Um, Funny, this guy's guy, um, John. I, I never, I never go after other people in the media. Right. You know, I rarely ever retort or, or have anything to say. But did you see the tweet yesterday by John Hyman? No. From MLB Network. No. What he, he, wrote, he, he wrote, he uh, quote, "I feel sorry for guys, gals covering the Orioles. At least other bad teams have some redeeming qualities. There is just nothing to say there now that the draft is over. 99, 99 games to go too." I was like, you know what? I said, you got to get a clue clue here, buddy. Orioles has had the best draft maybe in franchise history. Okay, You got a rookie, John Means, who can make the all-star team. He's pitching so well. You know, Pedro Savarino is probably the best catcher in AL behind Gary Sanchez. There's plenty of intriguing stories with the Orioles. It's not all doom and gloom. And furthermore, they're rebuilding. Okay, so when you're you're covering a team in a rebuild, you cover them in a different way. You know what I mean? You're not expecting a playoff change. You're expecting to see progress. Well, that's a, that's, a che- that's a cheap shot from the... Uh, it's a cheap shot from a national guy who isn't here to watch what's going on. He's getting his information from other people, either within the organization... Or other national or, or guys. Not, or other national guys. But this I will say. You can't tell me you haven't sat in that press box and looked over at your colleague and go, 
I can't take another four months of this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can think of a lot worse jobs, but like I've done, I've done a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it is tough, but I I agree with you to take a shot like that. Other bad teams have redeeming qualities. Okay, yeah, tell me what's redeeming about the Detroit Tigers or the Royals, the Royals yeah. right now, or well, the Toronto Marlins, right? The Marlins, right. Not even trying to do anything. Right, right. You know. Anyway. Um, um, yeah, and I guess Orioles hit with the injury bug. Um, you know, this past gosh, I mean, what the past past week and a half, <laughs> they've been like a football team. Like the Ravens a couple of years ago in their secondary, they had so many so many injuries. Well, it was um, really that one yeah. game. That one game, the second game of the series in Texas, where they they got three players hurt in one game. Right. And, uh, in and it wasn't even the night that Smith got hurt. It was VR Severino yeah. and DJ Stort all got all were hurt. Yeah, they left him with a short bed, and Chris Davis had to play. Uh, he had to play in the outfield. He made a critical error. Yeah. The last thing he needed to do, but yeah, you know, they had to, they had to scramble a little bit when you got nobody on the bench. He's actually uh, an incredible athlete. I he mean, I, I'm 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 kind of about done with him. Uh, I, you know, and I think the club is getting there uh, to the point where they're going to accept that they're not going to get anything of. Of value, and I don't mean a trade value. I mean they're they're not going to be able to get enough from his performance that warrants him blocking somebody else. It's coming to a head in the next, yeah. whether it's three weeks or two months. Uh, I don't think he's. I think there's a very good chance he's not on this team next year. He's down to but, 161 now again. You but, know, I mean, he's, 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 he's trending the other way. Right. He went from know. like 193 down to 161. But the yeah. but the point I'm making is I felt bad for him on that play because he actually is not a bad outfielder. No, no he's he's not a bad third baseman either. No, he just hurt his shoulder playing yeah. third. Um, your thoughts about. Um, the, the injuries right now, what are you hearing on the players? VR got back into the game last night, um, but what are you hearing Smith, about? Yeah, Smith couldn't leave uh, Texas, I guess, because of the concussion protocol. Right. Um, I yeah, guess they, he gets back. They and, wouldn't let him um, fly, right? Yeah, he couldn't fly. Yeah. And San Marino, you know, catcher's going to get banged up. I think, I think he stays in there. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then, you know, they put uh, – Steve Wilkerson got hit with a fastball. Last That's right. He got hit, and and Mancini has hobbled a little bit. I mean, he's by playing foot injury, by the yeah. foot injury from being hit yeah, by a pitch. Foot yeah, and that's the reason they sent Davis to right field the other night. It's was because to get, Mancini it was couldn't play. Because Mancini couldn't play the outfield because of his foot, so they got him to first base. Yeah. And the DH, yeah, and Nunez got some time at first base too. So. Yeah. What do you yeah. see, what do you see so far? I know it's a short window. Uh, he played uh, the whole game last night behind the plate, and he played about four or five innings on Thursday night. Um, uh, for let's leave the defense out of it for a second. But I'm seeing a hitter that it doesn't look whether he it ends up being great results, fair results, poor results. He doesn't look as overwhelmed as he did at times last year. Well, he's talking Chance about um, Chance Cisco. Cisco, yeah, I, I think the time in the minors did, did well for him, um, yeah. and you know he's much more patient. And um, apparently, you know, he worked on all the things he was supposed to do. He had a little bit of slow start in the minors, but then he came around. Um, you know, he had three strikeouts last night. Um, and you know, he's batting two hundred, but again, you know, he needs to play to get better. Um, and you know, and now they're, they're this, this draft. They're they're deep at catcher now. You know, what I mean, so it, it's going to be 
it's make or break. I mean, like for a lot of guys all season, it's make or break for a lot of players. Well, and he, he certainly fits into yeah. that category because he's one of them. Yeah, I'm telling you, he's just got to get better defensively. There's no question yeah. about he, it. He's either got to get better defensively, or he's got to be at a different position. You know. Yeah, yeah that's true because I, I I don't think a lot of people are going to necessarily question his bat, but defensively behind the plate. The play last night to end the ball game aside, he has trouble blocking balls. There's been several pass balls called against him this year. Uh, it's just got to improve. There's no question about it. Yeah, I think the game needs to slow down for him a little bit. But, you know, I don't know if, uh, I guess, with the experience that might happen. But, yeah, he has got to get – there needs somebody to kind of work with him with this defense. Right. There's no question sure. about that. But if the offense plays – uh, with the advent of probably in the next year or two, the National League going to a DH, uh, the guy can still be a valuable piece, uh, even if he's still around here. As long as he's hitting the ball, they'll find some way to get him into games to increase that value. Yeah, he's a young guy too. Yeah, so he has time. You know, he's he's one of the guys I think are in that second tier of you know they'll be patient with, as opposed to the, you know the first tier of guys who are just they're holding play, they're placeholders on this team. So so listen, I understand that this rotation is never going to resemble you know the the nineteen seventy four Orioles with four twenty game winning pitchers, but suddenly with Bundy pitching the way he's pitched the last five times. Cashner pitching okay, Means pitching very well, and Enoa giving you a chance to win. Suddenly, you go out there for the five days. You're probably never the favorite, except maybe right now when Means pitches, but at least you have a chance to be in the game. When Straley was starting and Hess was in that rotation, and Hess is still in the rotation, but when you had Bundy pitching poorly, Straley and Hess – it looked hopeless almost every other day. It did. I think I think Straley it might be a little more comfortable in that bullpen. He's pitched he's pitched fairly you know, fair, you know somewhat better when it coming out of the bullpen. And you know, you still got Alex Cobb, you know, it's gonna come back here at some point that you would hope would give him something, but again, he it seems I'd to take sh- him a long sure bit of time be, to get, I'd sure to get be, wrapped up. I'd sure be feeling a lot better about that what if uh, you know, Cobb came back. If you'd be hearing them even talk about him, he's he's not even he's still in Sarasota, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's sort of a forgotten man. He's not. And, um, uh, Brandon Hyde doesn't get asked about that much yeah. anymore. Yeah, you know? So yeah, it's a weird, you know, it, it's a weird situation. You know, and I guess um, uh, with um, uh, who's uh, who's the other guy um that's been heard all here um, my brain's uh what starter. Yeah, uh, well, uh, they, they they signed him to be a starter. Nate Carnes, Carnes. Nate Carnes, he's a he's forget sort of a forgotten guy too. Yeah, he, sort of, he won't be it's back. Amazing I don't think you'll see him. I don't think you'll see him back at all. I don't, I don't no, think I you'll see him. I don't think you'll see him back. And if he does come back, it's going to be in a bullpen role right. because of the uh, kind of just because yeah. of his arm and that was a very listen. And I, I from a distance, I've always liked Nate Carnes. I like the stuff. But when you acquired him, he didn't pitch one inning in the big leagues last year, and you say, we think he's got a chance to be an innings eater. I thought that was one of the poorest decisions that Mike Elias has made since he's been Orioles, uh, you know, general manager. Yeah. Not not the, the talent. It was just questioning that. Uh, they, made a move sure, la- move. they made a move last night. But there were other panic. There were there were other moves they could have made. They could have. They all they had to do was offer Gio Gonzalez like a million dollars. 
they yeah, would have probably had Gio thing. Gonzalez, which I'm not saying I want him here for the next three years, but you could have had him and then dealt him to a team that needed him right now. Yeah. Um, one other move the club made after last night's game, and I'm not quite sure how they're going to fill it. I'm guessing it'll be Evan Phillip. That would be my guess. Um, but is that the club did option Brandon Klein down. I think we all agree, you, me, and Craig, the guy has a big league arm, electric stuff in terms of the fastball, but he's giving up runs every appearance, and the club got tired of it a little bit. Yeah, they can't. They can't have, his role was to come down and have a shotgun hitting it. Right. Right. You know, and you, you can't you can't pitch him when he's not doing that. I know? I think this is actually a very positive thing, though. I think that they can they can say, look, we're not going to sugarcoat this. You're not getting the job done here right now, but you're close. This is what you got to work on a little bit. You got to get ahead of hitters. You're behind or too many three two counts. Um, and I would put him in the highest leverage situations in Norfolk for about a month. And I think you'll see a really refined and better Brandon Klein because I think he's close. Yeah, I think this regime, this new regime, also does a really good job of when these guys get sent down, really spelling out what they need to work on. I agree. Um, you know, I think I think they get a list of stuff, specifically what they need to get better at. And I think the players are responding by working on working on those types of things. DJ Stewart, you know, he, he's a prime example about you know loosening up the swing a little bit. Um, they're getting their, they're getting their, a pretty clear itinerary of what they need to do. And I think Klein, I think you're right about Klein too. I think um, there's still some good baseball left in that kid. So let's turn to the attention. The other day, you mentioned you mentioned the uh, Orioles had probably their best draft in history, and I and I don't think it's a stretch to say that. Um, Craig, you got a, an initial question for well, Todd on the draft? Uh, well, I have not seen a whole lot of Adley Rushman because I don't watch Oregon State baseball that much. I've watched every game. Uh, you have. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've been uh, singing Born to Run. That's right. Well, yeah. see, that's me on Friday night, Carpy. <laughs> but Adley <laughs> Rushman, you know, the catcher, the catcher, from everything you hear from almost everybody who's talked about this kid, you, you talk about, the power from both sides of the plate and you talk about all the tools and it seems like he is basically a can't miss guy. So yeah. you, you, you stick him in, in there with Gunnar Henderson and, and Kyle Stowers. And, uh, you know, I think they did pretty well, you know, yeah, I, I mean, we'll, we'll probably know two, three years down the line, but you know, it, it looks as though, and, and you're talking about a guy who saw the nationals finish last a few years and that led to guys like Steven Strasburg and Bryce Harper and Anthony Rendon. Yeah. And you know what? They didn't overthink the pick. I think that was the most important thing. You know what I mean? I mean Rushman was the consensus number one guy, and they took the consensus number one guy. And I think, you know, everybody feels, everybody feels good about that pick. You know, I think if they had taken somebody else, you know, even Witt, I think there might have been a question mark or two. Um, but, you know, this draft, I think there, there was very few – Head scratchers. You know, I think they did a, their scouting did a really good job with with this group of kids. Um, you know, they there wasn't they didn't really reach for any pitchers. They got pitchers in the late rounds because it was you know it was backloaded talent wise, and they got they got some good depth. You know, they got a couple of, several college kids who you know could be looking at you know in the, the short term stage in Myers and getting opportunities up here, like you said, in two or three years. You know, right. the high school kids need time to develop, but the college kids. Yeah, they come around quicker. What we need to find out, though, is that is are the three kids from Stanford? 
Did they get out in three years? That's the biggest thing. <laughs> we'll call me we'll we'll call Mussino on that. We'll right. call Mussino on that. I hope they're funnier than Mike Mussino. <laughs> hey, you're talking about Craig's guy there. Hey, you know? Hey, um, hey, Todd, all kidding aside, I have a theory, though. I think one of the things that shocked close Oriole observers in the media was, wait a minute, this team, why didn't they take pitchers? And I think that there was a conscious effort. Look, I don't know which where they had the pitchers listed, but I think they wanted to really get, I think if you look at the organization, there are probably eight or ten pitchers that are in the pipeline now from Grayson Rodriguez up to Keegan Aiken with D.L. Hall, Lothar, Dean Kramer, a couple other names I'm not thinking of now. But I think if you look at the position players, this organization has a real dearth of them, and I think that they needed to get some talent, uh, major league caliber talent, to develop. And I think they've done that in the first like eight or nine picks that they made. Yeah, and it's, you've talked about this numerous times, but they got the international you know, uh, yeah. guys coming up July 2nd. I think they're really they're going to they're gonna make a splash. I mean, Elias confidently said they plan on making a big splash there. Well, here's you know, my theory. They took, they took just about, if I'm not mistaken, I think every pitcher they took was a college pitcher. There might be like one very late high school pitcher. But I think for for – really short money, maybe a million and a half to $2 million, I think they can get themselves 15 arms that are the equivalent of good high school arms out of uh, Latin America in the yeah. international thing. I'm not and even talking about out. I'm not even talking about the highest profile guys. I'm just t- talking about lottery tickets. And if three or four of them are in the organization 3 years from now, you might have you might have what you would have gotten out of taking some high school kids. Yeah, and they got 6 million dollars to spend. That's a yeah. lot of money, you know, uh, bringing in they can bring in a lot of talent. They hit on two or three guys. That's going to be successful, especially for this organization who's never been able to do that, you know. Jonathan Scope, I think, was the last, you know, the last player that made impact. They got, you know, from this international market. What are you, what are you understanding? And I don't know. You, I know at the level you're covering the Orioles for us. Do you get a sense of when or how quickly this signing could come about? We are seeing. I think I've seen on MLBTradeRumors.com about five guys have already signed, first round guys. Uh, do you get a sense of when this could come together? I think I think well, a lot of said he doesn't expect any drama, so I think I think they're going to get it done fairly quickly and get you know they're going to get them. I guess they'll go down to Florida and work out before they get ramped up again. But I, I would think we would hear something within the, the next week or two. Right. I would think you know. Now because uh, it has to be slotted anyway. You know, now the, money's there. the interesting player they took, uh, Rutschman is certainly the the highest um, the highest talent level currently, but the number two pick was a guy that you would think with a a commitment to Auburn, and I don't know exactly how this all plays out in negotiations, but he's committed to Auburn, and I'm talking about shortstop, 17-year-old shortstop Gunnar Henderson, but you would think that this organization, for where they are now in a rebuild, wouldn't have just thrown that against the wall and said, gee, I hope we can sign this guy. That's a guy you might take with the fifth or sixth pick. They took a guy that they know they got to pay a little bit of money to, but I think they feel that they can overslot him a little bit and get him under contract. Oh yeah, because he he went well, um, he was projected much higher. 
Yeah. Um, than where they got him. Um, he, you know, he was so projected they, in the high twenties, was wasn't he? Wasn't well, he in they, the high twenties? Yeah, he was twenty-seven. Yeah, and you know, and we got, got him 42. at forty-two. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think this kid's a baseball player. You know, I think he's gonna. Have, you know, I think he wants to come in to play. You know, he's the he was the Alabama Player of the Year. He's six-three. He's a good size. You know, um, you know, I think it's just a kid they're high on, and you know, I, I think I think they got a really good shot at this kid. You know, let me ask you this, and Stan and I alluded to this when we when we first came on, and that's this this last stretch of games for the Orioles, whether it was last night, the night before, uh, you know, you you see what's going on with this team as far as staying in ball games, as far as the effort is concerned, and that's what that's why I have such a problem with what John Heyman said, you know, there's no redeeming things that you can even look at over this club. It's, to, not true. Yeah. it's just not true. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, one of the best offensive teams around, and I think everybody would agree, is the Texas Rangers in that ballpark. And they go in and for three games play them toe-to-toe. Play them toe-to-toe. And, then, and they wind up winning the first game of each of the last three series other than this last one. Night. Right. Other than this one. And, and yet they can't win a series. Yeah, that's true, but by the same token, when when you're starting pitching, which isn't very good to begin with, is keeping you in games and giving you that opportunity, and then you're down to your, you, you know, you're down to two two outs with Richie Martin at the plate the other night, and he hits a home run. And off he's Sean. only in the game because you didn't have a body to pinch hit for him. Right, you yeah. didn't have a body to pinch hit for him, and he hits it against Sean Kelly, to which I immediately took to Facebook and said, Sean Kelly, I've seen this act before. Right. I was going to say, the only thing he didn't do was throw the glove down. <laughs> you know, they're 19 and 44, and, you know, they didn't win their 20th game last season, the June 17th. You know what I mean? So it's like they're still a little bit ahead of where they were. And you're right, they're, they're competitive. With the exception of that Minnesota series, a couple games against the Yankees, they've been pretty competitive. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably, in fairness to John Heyman, the the uh, outside shooters, you know, the national guys, that's probably who we saw them play was the Yankees. Yeah. yeah. They looked overmatched. Listen, Todd, we really appreciate you every week. We'll talk to you hopefully next week, all right? Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Todd Karpovich uh, covers the Orioles for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Talk time to t- pay a couple bills from the Live Casino Hotel studios. And we will mention right off the bat that Live Casino Hotel has another great concert on the schedule. Craig, get tickets now to see Boz Skaggs out of the Blue Tour Dirty on, little Friday, on Friday, June the 28th. Tickets start at $45 and include $10 in free slots play. Go to Live Casino Hotel now to get your tickets. And Craig... Tell us a little bit about where you were singing Born to Run last night. Well, that's the Costa Sin at 4100 North Point Boulevard. Great specials on the menu. What are some of the specials? Well, like on Monday night? Uh, crab Ribs night? Crab cake night on that's Monday Tuesday night. night. That's Tuesday night is rib, rib night. Wednesday night is steak, steak night. night. And uh, you can get lobster uh, either stuffed or plain on, on Thursday. Thursday night. Uh, don't forget on Wednesday when there is steak night, you have half price off all bottles of wine. Mm. And uh, that's a deal that you can't beat anywhere else. Uh, a number of specials on the menu throughout the week. Live entertainment, jazz night on Wednesday night, and then Fridays and Saturdays, some pretty good rock and roll. So we had that last night with the Rat Pack. And you get to meet uh, Pete and uh, Nick Triantopoulos. Yes, and they'll take care of you. They, the Triantopoulos family makes you feel right at home because they treat you like family. And don't forget, 
crab cakes and crabs. You can get them shipped anywhere you want across the country. And uh, all you got to do is give uh, Pete a call. Yeah. And normally at times like this, we say, tell them Stan the Fan and Craig Heist sent you. It may actually be better if you don't tell them that we sent you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Probably would work out better. Yeah, it probably works out better. All right. Around here, there are two kinds of chicken. Royal Farms' world-famous chicken and everything else. What's the difference? Royal Farms' chicken is always fresh, never frozen. It's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices and cooked on the spot right in the store. Chicken from anywhere else? Who knows? Hungry for some hot and delicious chicken? Get some Royal Farms' world-famous chicken. It's one of a kind. And don't forget the Western fries. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. On Thursday, June 13th, join the O's as they throw down with the Blue Jays. Get there early and be one of the first 20,000 fans ages 15 and over to get your claws on the Orioles' limited edition crab hat. It's your chance to sport your two favorite Maryland pastimes, because crabs and baseball is what Maryland really does. Get your fill of jumbo lump crab cakes, po'boys, and oysters by the dozen, and wash it all down with an ice-cold local Maryland brew. Experience everything that Oriole Park has to offer and come be part of it all. Visit Orioles.com for tickets. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate at Camden Yards. Slider's Bar and Grill at 504 Washington Boulevard, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for every season. This is the perfect time to book your private party or take the office to lunch. Feeding clients, take them to Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar, Slider's, for great food and drinks with some local atmosphere. You can book your private event on the second floor or on the outside patio, both overlooking the best stadium in baseball. See all of Slider's daily specials or book your party at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. Visit them today. One third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. As the weather heats up, the menu at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square cools down, introducing the all-new Frosted Key Lime, a fun twist on one of America's favorite pies. The new treat is a hand-spun combination of Chick-fil-A's signature ice dream, Chick-fil-A lemonade, and natural sugar-free lime flavoring made from a blend of key limes, coffer limes, and Persian limes. Frosted Key Lime gets its green color from a mix of nutrient-rich ingredients. Download the Chick-fil-A app today, place your order, and get points towards free stuff at Our Chick-fil-A. Nottingham Square. Plus, if you order using your app, your food will be ready when you get there. Stop by Chick-fil-A in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center at 5198 Campbell Boulevard and tell Steve we sent you. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. 
This is former Trope AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster and from I the bottom of Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. We are back on the batter round, and Craig Heist and I were just kicking around a topic that's totally unimportant, but facially, Richie Martin, to me, looks a little like Derek Jeter. Okay. All right. I can, I can buy can that. that. Yeah. Okay. I hope he gets his talent. <laughs> yeah. Right. Gets his talent is <laughs> on the mark like Derek yeah. Jeter. Yeah. All right. Joining us now is an old friend of both of ours, and he's the former Baltimore Sun columnist for a long time, and now an author uh, extraordinaire. And that is Kevin Coward. His book, When the Crowd Didn't Roar, a Nebraska Press publication, has been out for about, what, about six weeks now, uh, Kevin? Yeah, about two months, Dan. About two months. How is the book uh, being received? I know I read a blurb that it's in the New York Times uh, top something. I I forget what it was. And before before you answer that, what did you think of Stan saying you were an old friend? Uh, I wasn't happy with that. Um, uh, you know, he's right, of course. Well, he is. Uh, that doesn't, doesn't make it any easier to hear. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, listen, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I've known you guys a long time. Appreciate you having me on. Um, Stan, to answer your question, yeah, the the book was uh, just listed uh uh, in the New York Times uh, uh, summer reading issue, right, and it's one of only seventy-five books in there, and one of yeah. only five sports books. So we, we applaud uh, you for that. That's really terrific. Really happy with that. Thanks. Hey, hey I know the book's getting tremendous uh, uh, interest and and uh, and popularity. the The title, when the crowd didn't roar, I'm fine with that. And I'm not saying Kevin Coward came up with this. The subtitle. How Baseball's Strangest Game Ever Gave a Broken City Hope. Do you think that really holds up four years after the event, that that game sort of gave the city hope? Well, let me explain uh, how we came up with that subtitle, uh, Stan. So the, the hope that I'm referring to is fleeting, but it occurred at the end of that day that the uh, – the Orioles played the White Sox and locked down Camden Yards. Right. And at the end of that day, there was this sense in the city. This was two days. The unrest was over. There was a sense that the worst of the unrest was over and that th- that the city was not irretrievably broken from okay. the Freddie Gray riot. Okay. And also that maybe things from this point on would get better. Well, we know that four years later, as I think you're alluding to, yeah. We're really not in a better place in the city, and in fact, uh, we've kind of gone downhill since that uh, awful time in April of 2015. So that's the, you know, when you write these books, you you, you come up with the title, and then, you know, uh, yep. the book doesn't come out for a couple of years, yep. and yep. things change. Mm-hmm. But that was the hope that I was referring to, and I think if you go back to that time, You're... you'll see that there was hope in the city at that point. Excellent explanation. Uh, let me ask you this, Kevin. We'll actually tell you a story a little bit. I, I did an interview for a show that I was doing on 106.7 uh, 
uh, the fan on Memorial Day uh, down in D.C. And the day before I did the show, I talked to Adam Eaton for about 15 minutes, who obviously was with the White Sox then, played in that game. And, yep. I, ga- and I gave him a copy of your book. And uh, he told me he was going to take it on the next road trip and, and, and read it. And he says, I remember vivid memories of it. What I think was probably the worst day in the history of Major League Baseball. And then he went on to say about how the games were canceled the first two nights there. And then they finally got to play that game with yep. no one in the stands. And he said, but, you know, from our hotel room, he said you could, you know, he says it was an awful experience from the standpoint of you could – either walk outside the hotel or open the windows. He said you could still smell the cars burning, you know. Oh, yeah. And yeah, things yeah. of that nature. He says it was a really scary time. And uh, uh, Adam Adam just said, he says something I never want to ever have to go through again. Yeah, it, it was. It was a frightening time for, in the city, frightening time for the Chicago White Sox heisty. And you'll remember that they, the White Sox had come into town the Sunday night before that the, the start of this three-game series. So right. this was the Sunday night before the Freddie Gray unrest. And they were uh, put up in their you know hotel, in, in the Hilton Hotel, right across the street from uh, the ballpark. And they were basically cooped up there for three days watching on TV as the city exploded and the violence uh, erupted. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Adam Eaton. Unfortunately, uh, I, I reached out to the Nationals uh, uh, and uh, he would not, uh, he didn't want to cooperate on this book. But, but I do uh, talk about Adam Eaton's reactions to many things in the book um, via the uh, Chicago sports writers. It was a tough time for him, tough time for, for the White Sox, and, and not a fun game that any, anyone, either on the Orioles or the White Sox, enjoyed. Um, you know, the city was just too tense, and as you pointed out, you know, you got the, you got National Guard troops in the streets, you've got the smell of burning cars, and and uh, you've got shattered glass all over the streets. Not a fun time. It was it was one of the weirdest times that I've ever covered anything. Uh, and and what made it even weirder, I guess, is the fact that in the eighth inning, they are telling us that the media cannot leave the stadium, you know, and and walk toward the inner harbor, right, where where the two pavilions are. And then about, I don't know, bottom of the ninth inning or so, they had said that everything was okay. You could go ahead and do that again. So for, for better part of half, about, yeah. no, better part of a half hour to an hour, you know, we couldn't leave the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Now wait a second, Heisey. Are you talking about the uh, you talking about the no fans game? The no fans game. Yeah. No, you're okay, talking about you. You meant the the Saturday night. Like yeah. Three days oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Saturday night game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what you're talking about. Of course, they played the, the Red Sox that evening. Right. And, yeah, um, the uh, demonstrators had uh, descended on Camden Yards, and there had been some violence, some some pushing and shoving and fist fighting with the patrons outside of the bars that, that are outside Camden Yards. So very tense situation that night. And, uh, you know, uh, the demonstrators ultimately left as the Red Sox and the Orioles were playing. But then around 10 o'clock at night, uh, police were getting in, uh, information that suggested the demonstrators who were over at, at Harbor Place were now coming back to the ballpark. And that's when this incident that you're talking about yeah. took place. Uh, the police decided, hey, we can't, 
we can't uh, open the gates. We can't have people, uh, you know, patrons here at the uh, ballpark uh, getting going outside and be put at risk. Demonstrators yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when they flashed up uh, on the scoreboard, guys. That's when they flashed up a warning and said, uh, you know, please stay inside for your safety. And they didn't let the fans out and they didn't, didn't let the media out, didn't let anybody out for about 40 minutes until that game was over. Then a light rain began to fall, Heisty. I don't know if you remember that. And that light rain sort of took the, de- you know, the, that kind of fizzled out the crowd at the demonstration. And as soon as that was over, the uh, police decided that the fans at Camden Yards could, could leave the ballpark. We're talking with Kevin Coward. The book is When the Crowd Didn't Roar, How Baseball's Strangest Game Ever Gave a Broken City Hope. Uh, I want you to give a little plug out to Nebraska Press. More and more, I see the most interesting sports books ending up with Nebraska Press. What is their mission, and why why do they think sports books still have a, a big market? Well, uh, they, they publish a ton of books a year. I think it's 150 books a year, Stan. Um, they're a terrific outfit. Uh, they, they do do a lot of sports books, and even more so, they do a ton of baseball books. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, they have great editors there. I, uh, my editor is a fellow named Rob Taylor, who really appreciates uh, good sports writing. Right. He's a big sports fan. He's a member of Sabre. Uh-huh. Uh, the the uh, sabermetrics uh, uh, outfit. So they just um, they they it's, it's not that they gravitate to baseball books or sports books, but it's one of their strengths for sure. And as I said, they put out so many titles every year, and so many of them are baseball oriented books. So they're they're still an outfit that appreciates that. Before we move forward with questioning you a little bit about the book, tell us what what you've got in store. Father's Day is next weekend. Uh, do you have any signings coming up prior to that or just after that? Yeah, well, I mean, we've done so many so far, done a lot of media stuff so far. The uh, next signing is at the Rosedale Library, fellas, um, and I don't have the date in front of me, Craig, but uh, by the time Craig, we get off. Craig and I have been barred from libraries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, well, we, yeah, we, we, yeah we, but we, that for me started in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, listen, if I saw you guys coming, I'd be calling security. It's security, too, but, uh, security. Now the next uh, next signing is at Rosedale Library, okay. Baltimore Branch, uh, uh, Rosedale Branch, Baltimore uh, County Library. Two to three fellas on Sunday, uh, June thirtieth. So that's the next signing. Okay. Sounds good, Craig. A final question or two? For no, me? I just I. What is the reaction that you've gotten uh, all overall from just people you run into? And I think sometimes that's maybe the the best way for you to get a gauge on just how good the book is. Well, I look at I, I got to tell you, I mean, <laughs> the overwhelming response has been positive. But you know, fellas, there are a lot of people in the city, uh, a lot of African Americans uh, in uh, who uh, were in. West Baltimore, uh, grew up in West Baltimore, live in West Baltimore. A lot of those folks felt this game should not have been played, even behind locked gates at mm-hmm. Camden Yards. So I'm not going to tell you that everybody uh, is raving about this book. And there are a lot of people who felt the game shouldn't have been played and probably are not uh, thrilled with this book. But but I have to say that the response has overwhelmingly been positive. It's it's when I go on radio and, and do uh, calling shows and everything that you'll get a caller or two who says, look, at this game should have never been played, and we feel that the game was a slap in the face. Even playing it, you know, behind locked gates, freeing up those policemen to go to West Baltimore to sort of keep the uh, 
the piece up there. A lot of people weren't happy with the decision to play that game. So, uh, again, overwhelmingly positive response, but certainly there are people who felt the game shouldn't have been played and probably feel the book shouldn't have been written to. Kevin, you've, in your post-Baltimore Sun career, you had a fascinating career. You've written those children's books with Cal Ripken. You did the Ed Hale book and a few others right now that aren't coming to mind. This seems like the most interesting project to me that you've had, and I'm sure each one of them uh, holds a special place for you. But tell our listeners before we let you go how this came to you to be the guy to write this. Do you think there was a lot of competition of people wanting to jump on this and you jumped in first, or did somebody come to you uh, and say, hey, you should be the guy to do this? You know, Stan, uh, it's a great question. I started thinking about this book about six months after that incredibly surreal game. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I thought, uh, and I've said this in all my speaking engagements and all, all the media stuff, I thought there would be people, writers, parachuting in from all over the country mm-hmm. to do this. I was shocked that I was the only guy doing it. Um, and, 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 by the way, guys, I have to give a shout-out to the Orioles. If the Orioles had given me the access that they did, yeah. If John Angelos, all the way down from John Angelos, uh, hadn't hadn't cooperated with me, I could have never pulled this off. But uh, no, I mean, I started thinking about the book immediately, and uh, and again, shocked that uh, I was the only guy doing this. All right. Well, we appreciate it. We urge folks that are either watching on Facebook Live or listening on PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, if you're looking for a great Father's Day gift, this is the book, and if you just want a good book to read when you go away to the beach this summer, When the Crowd Didn't Roar, Kevin Coward's new book on Nebraska Press. Kevin, thank you very much for joining us. And again, the date of that signing at uh, Rosedale Library. June 30th uh, from 2 to 3 at the Rosedale Library in Rosedale. All right. Thank you, Kevin. All right, fellas. Thanks a lot. All right. And we do have some breaking news, yes. uh, which you said or thought, yep. right? And Evan that's the Phil- Orioles have recalled Phil- right-handed pitcher Evan Phillips from AAA. All right. I think that'll be a three-week or a month thing, and I think Brandon Klein will be back. Yeah. Okay. I, I really do. I feel very confident of that. We're going to make our connections next with uh, Matt Slatus. He's come on a couple times with us a year. Uh, he comes on a couple times a year. And opening night this coming Friday Uh, For the Ironbirds, the 14th, the Orioles are home against the Red Sox. But guess what? You can't get a ticket to this game. It's sold out. The Aberdeen Ironbirds opening game Friday night is sold out, and there's less than 500 tickets remaining for Saturday night, June the 15th. Cal Ripken, Jr., and Bill Ripken will both be at the game. And get a load of this, Craig, Sunday the 16th, the Ironbirds host the Ravens offense versus the Ravens defense in a charity softball game. Most of the team, including Lamar Jackson and Justin Tucker, will be in Aberdeen. Well, I like it. And it'll be interesting to see what position Lamar plays and just how he has to throw. <laughs> or, or, if he pl- or if he plays. Yeah. All right. Joining us right now is Matt Slatus. And Matt is the uh, general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. We're sorry we busted your eardrums there, Matt. Oh, no worries, guys. Right. How are you? Uh, we're great. We're great. Hey, that, that Sunday softball game between the Ravens offense and the Ravens defense, the note says most of the team, including Lamar Jackson and Justin Tucker, will be in Aberdeen. Now, you've been around sports for a long time. Does that mean that you, that uh, Lamar Jackson will play in the game? Uh, 
He's going to play. Yeah. Wow. You know, we, um, we're not running this game. We're hosting the game. But I what understand. What promoters tell me is that Lamar's going to play. Justin Tucker's going to play. I know last year when they hosted the game, um, unfortunately it was rained out, but Flacco was there and ready to play. So I, I think we're going to see the 18 tomorrow up in Aberdeen. Do we know what position Lamar Jackson will be playing? Oh, goodness. Well, think about a, a fast-running quarterback. And where would center, you him on the center, center field or shortstop? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I was going to say he's probably a middle infielder. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'll call shortstop, but I'll let you guys know after the game tomorrow. Well, I, I wonder if his throwing will be critiqued as well as, uh, <laughs> in the same way, in the same way as it is on the football field. Well, I'm sure someone will, but it, it's a different shape ball, so I'll, I'll give the guy a pass at least. Hey, uh, Matt, is this the game that used to be the uh, Ladarius Webb charity softball game? Is this what it's morphed into now? Yeah, it is. And now, you know, Anthony Levine has taken, uh, taken Ladarius' spot and uses this game as a benefit for his nonprofit. Right. Um, so we're, we're happy to host it because it is a, it's a charitable piece that goes back to a great cause. And selfishly, it's a great dry run for the Ironbirds before opening day. Now, we, we just as we were getting you on the phone, we announced that opening night this Friday the 14th is sold out, and there are less than 500 tickets for the second game. That's uh, getting things off to a pretty good start, isn't it? Yeah, opening night is sold out. We've got less than 500 tickets left for Saturday for our second game of the year, and um, we couldn't be more thrilled with the way Hereford County and the Upper Chesapeake has responded to the baseball this year. This is actually the earliest the Ironbirds have sold out of the game, I believe, in six years. Great news. Great news. Tell us a little bit about, I know every year you try and upgrade the experience, not just upgrade it, make it new and different. You've got some new food concepts again this year? We do. Yeah, I worked for the Texas Rangers for a while, so I was down in Dallas and I fell in love with Texas barbecue. And uh, this year we, we brought a little bit of Texas, a little bit of North Carolina, a little bit of the Deep South down to Griffin Stadium. We put in a, a 10,000-pound smoker that we purchased. So we're, we're house-smoking now um, barbecue spare ribs or smoked spare ribs, brisket, pulled pork, mm. chicken. Uh, my favorite is actually the two-pound turkey leg. So if you think about those uh, turkey legs you see at Renaissance fairs and things, you're going to be able to get them all summer at the Ironbirds. And then we've also added a new dessert concept. You know, I don't think it's a secret that people show up at the ballpark not expecting to eat healthy. So when they come out and they enjoy life a little bit, we've got, uh, you know, obviously soft-serve ice cream and custard, but you can now um, have that in a helmet, and you can create a, a funnel cake sundae, a brownie sundae, or hand-dipping gourmet uh, ice cream sandwiches with house-baked cookies. So it's, it, it's definitely a big improvement on the dessert side and a big improvement on the barbecue side. So we're excited about sharing that with our fans this year. Tell, uh, tell our listeners and, and viewers on Facebook exactly what we can expect out of the talent that's coming up to Aberdeen to start this shortened season since the entire organization is kind of in a, in a rebuild mode. But what can they expect at your level? Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting year on the ball field. And I think that one of the first places that, that Michael Elias and his regime really get to put their stamp on the Orioles is actually in Aberdeen. You know, we're going to see some guys that were just drafted last week. Um, you know, I don't have any 
insider information, but, you know, maybe we see Adley Rushman up there at some point. Maybe we see, you know, the second and third pick up there at some point. And you're going to see some pitching return, I know, from last year. There was definitely some returning pitchers on the early roster. We're going to release the roster early this coming week. But from all accounts, you know, the Ironbirds team that finished a couple games over 500 last year is actually returning its best pieces. And any time I think you have draft picks that are, are taken that high, you got to be optimistic about what the club's going to look like on the field. We're also bringing back a, a fair amount of our coaching staff. Kevin Bradshaw, our manager from two years ago, returns this year. And, and KB's a... An older guy who just really is a fantastic teacher. He's, uh, he's going to be a great instructor, and he's, he's the kind of guy that I can tell you the new front office probably wants, yeah. um, you know, entrusting their, their high picks to. Yeah, it's interesting. They, they also made a pretty savvy move, and I'm, I'm sure you probably haven't really worked with Gary Kendall, but Gary, the longtime Bowie manager, who I think is now known as a great development person. Yeah, Gary Kendall means a lot to the Orioles yeah. organization. Yeah. Um, so, fantastic. Yeah, and I think his promotion to, to Norfolk was to finish off development for some of these players. You're, you're doing something different that I don't recall we've ever promoted in the time we've worked together, Matt, over the last four years or so. Uh, you've got an Dan, open... I, I apologize. I, I almost can't hear you guys coming through. Okay. Well, we'll try and we'll try and work on that right now. You hear us better now? Any better now? Any better uh, now? Quite. Okay. Uh, a little bit. All right. Well, we'll try and plug through this and and figure it out. But you're doing something that uh, I I don't recall us promoting in in years gone by. That is this Wednesday evening. Two full nights before the opener on the twelfth, you've got an open workout that's free to the public. What time is that going to take place, Matt? Much better. I can hear you guys. Uh, Six o'clock this Wednesday, Lighthouse Field at Ripken Stadium. It's everybody's first chance to see the Ironbirds this year. So the team will take you know batting practice. They'll take infield on the field. They'll be available to take selfies with our fans. They'll be available for autographs, for media interviews. Uh, We've got some great concession items open. Kid Zone will be open. Just a nice, fun night to come out to the ballpark for free and enjoy, really, your first taste of Ironbirds baseball this year. And you, know, you never know what draft picks you'll see. You never know who's going to show up on the roster. Um, but everybody will be there. It's the first night, um, first workout for them under the lights, the first workout for a lot of those guys playing on a professional field. And a great way for the county, for Hartford County and for the Upper Chesapeake to, to come out and watch some free baseball. So parking and admission are both free? Parking and admission are free. Some concession items will be discounted. Um, Our fans should know, but parking is free every single game at Lighthouse Field at Ripley Stadium. Never charge you for parking. That's a good point. And and this gives your staff a good kind of dry run at getting things ready for, for Friday night. It sure does. You know, I think all of us are capable of cooking a hot dog at home. But when all of a sudden you've got 6,500 people waiting for those hot dogs, they tend to freeze up. So it'll give us a good dry run. The Ravens softball game will give us a dry run. I promise everybody we'll be ready for opening night, Friday the 14th, and, and then right into Saturday when Callum Bill will be out for you sports night on June 15th. you got to make sure nobody gets hurt in that Ravens softball game. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you guys remember a couple years ago, I think Clay Matthews was in a a celebrity softball game up in Green Bay and took one off the face. So uh, 
we're going to make sure they use an L screen, and I, I'd hate to be the guy that, you know, hurts, uh, <laughs> hurts Lamar Jackson or Justin Tucker. Hey, uh, tell us a little bit. I'm asking this one for Craig Heist. Can you still get steamed crabs out at the ballpark this year? Uh, oh, come on. That's like, do we still play with bats and balls? That's right. Exactly. Crabs. Steamed crabs, crab cakes. This year we added mac and cheese and an Ironbird helmet covered with lump crab. Uh, we're going to play our Aberdeen steamed crabs game again on July 19th. And you know, my favorite thing to say about that night is if we sell it, you can top it with crabs. So it might be soft serve ice cream. It might be a crab pretzel. But if we got it, you can top it with crab. And obviously, like you mentioned, we are the only ballpark in America that you can grab a bag of crabs and take them back to your seat and hack away. Uh, before we let you go, Matt, and we always appreciate getting you on couple times before the season starts and then we'll jump in in about a month and get you on again to see how things are going uh but tell us a little bit about a couple of the other promotions coming up and are there are there going to be some nights where the the iron birds are other named yeah so a couple of regular promotions scheduled every week you know every friday we've got the upper chesapeake region's best fireworks show Every Saturday, families can play catch on the field before the game. And uh, every Sunday in Ironbirds tradition, kids can run the bases after the game. Uh, you mentioned the rebrand. So July 19th, the Ironbirds won't be there. We'll be playing as the Aberdeen Steam Crabs. And then something that's really cool this year, you know, next year is going to be the 25th anniversary of Cal's, um, Cal's Street, Street, Cal's yep. Lou Gehrig's record. And as we get ready to celebrate that this year, I wanted to do something that, not only recognize Cal, but also Bill and Vi and Ellie and the whole family and, and Cal Sr. posthumously as well. So mm-hmm. on Saturday night, August 3rd, we're going to rebrand the team to the Aberdeen Legacy. And we created a uniform that has the, the likenesses of Sr., of Bill, and obviously of Junior on one sleeve. It's got their number on the other. And the cap that the club is going to be wearing actually has a, a silhouette of Cal's, one of his many signature mm-hmm. batting stances. Uh, and the number's 2632 embroidered. So we're going to talk about the Rifkin family legacy that night. We're going to share interviews with Orioles legends, with our fans, um, talking about how the ballpark, how the Rifkin experience complex came to Aberdeen. And uh, it, it's going to be pretty special. I think it's one of those signature nights that I it, – it, it's not the walk around the warning track for Cal, but I, I hope it's something he looks back on and says, you know, that really was a, a great honor. And um, the Ironbirds, I appreciated it. All right, Matt Slatis, many thanks for being on with us, and we will uh, keep abreast of things, and good luck with uh, maybe an Adley Rutschman or a Gunnar Henderson uh, showing up real soon at a ballpark near you. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. All right, guys, thanks Th- for the time. Thanks, Matt, really appreciate it. All right, there you have it, Matt Slatis, uh, the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. They got a lot of fun out there coming up this summer. They do, and it's a nice place, great ballpark to watch a game, and uh, fairly easy, I think, to get uh, in and out of in, in terms of uh, right off of uh, I-95. And uh, you can go up and watch it. And look at the whole complex. If you haven't been up there, it's, you know, they have the little, you know, the, the little league fields and things of that nature, uh, the mini Camden yards with the hotel warehouse, if you will, in right field. So, uh a lot of things are, are really neat up there. All right. Matt Zells is going to join us in just a couple of minutes from FantasyAlarm.com as we'll take a little bit of a deep dive into this list. That's the list of players that the Baltimore Orioles drafted uh, this past Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But right now I want to talk about sliders. 
Stop by Baltimore's favorite local sports bar to watch all the big games. Enjoy a fancy, clancy beer and their daily food special. Sliders is located just 771 feet from home plate across from Camden Yards. And Sliders is also a proud sponsor of the Ross Grimsley Show, live every Tuesday morning in the 9 a.m. hour and available throughout the week at PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show. Craig, uh, the cost is in. I uh, know you sang Born to Run there, but there's got to be more compelling reasons for people to stop by 4100 North Point Boulevard. Well, because the, you only do that once a month. Well, yeah, and the first Friday they of every month. They go out of business if they only counted on that. Well, that's exactly right. But the first Friday of every month, there really is no other reason to go. <laughs> of course. Of course. Ah, uh, Costasin, 4100 North Point Boulevard, and uh, the best thing about the Costasin is the way you are treated when you walk through the door. Uh, the Triantopoulos family treats you just like uh, you're part of their family. Let me try and get this right. Monday night is crab cake night. That's true. Tuesday night is rib night special. Uh, you're right on the button. Wednesday night is steak night. Steak night with half price, bottles half of off wine. Bottles, bottles of, of wine. wine. Wow. Do they give you the full bottle? Absolutely. Though? Wait a minute. They give you a full bottle for and half the price. Half price. Bottle what if wine. I want a half a bottle? Uh, well, they'd probably charge me the half price. Yeah, half yeah. price, right. Okay. Anyway, uh, the cost is in, 4100 You North forgot North. Thursday night being Thursday lobster. Night I got thrown <laughs> off by the, the wine deal. It was so compelling. Friday, Thursday night is lobster night. Right, and uh, also great entertainment throughout the week. Uh, Wednesday night, jazz night. Friday, Saturday, rock and roll. Uh, it's uh, the place to be. And as Craig Ice mentioned, you can send steam crabs or crab cakes anywhere in the country, maybe even anywhere in the world. Just call 410-477-1975. And when you do that, tell them Stan the Fan and Craig Heist sent you over to do that. Right. All right. On Thursday, June 13th, join the O's as they throw down with the Blue Jays. Get there early and be one of the first 20,000 fans ages 15 and over to get your claws on the Orioles' limited edition crab hat. It's your chance to sport your two favorite Maryland pastimes, because crabs and baseball is what Maryland really does. Get your fill of jumbo lump crab cakes, po'boys, and oysters by the dozen, and wash it all down with an ice-cold local Maryland brew. Experience everything that Oriole Park has to offer and come be part of it all. Visit Orioles.com for tickets. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home play to Camden Yards. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for baseball season. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. See every Orioles game on dozens of TVs and stop by before or after home games sliders baltimore's neighborhood sports bar see them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit sliders today one third of crash fatalities in maryland are due to impaired driving don't be a statistic be legendary what does it mean to be legendary it means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one never drinking then getting behind the wheel making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver remember sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com Respect. 
It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover. Luke Jackson dives into the options the Orioles have with the number one pick in the MLB draft and the significance of them picking number one for just the second time ever as they're in the throes of a rebuild. Plus, Bo Smolka looks into the Oklahoma connections developing for the Ravens after using two of their first five picks on former Sooners for the second year in a row. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Uh, or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. Well, I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. If trying something new was a bad idea, many of us would still be wearing polyester. This message is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. You may know us for our great burgers and wings, but Glory Days Pros. Mix it up with the fresh cedar plank salmon, cut in-house and grilled to perfection. Or sizzling and juicy steaks, meaty ribs, we have handcrafted salads and sandwiches by our talented chefs. Change tastes good, we promise. Experience the Glory Days Grill menu in all its glory. Glory Days Grill, great food. Good sports. We are back. We are back with the battle round. Stan the Fan and Craig Heist. And uh, joining us now, and I ask you to just be conscious of what happened last time with Matt Slatus. Joining us now is Matt Zells with um, FantasyAlarm.com. Matt, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? Good. You're on with Stan Charles, Stan the Fan, and Craig Heist, uh, my usual co-host here. And I want to make sure at the outset, because we had a little technical difficulty before, you can hear us okay? I can indeed, yes. Great, great. How's the weather out in Nebraska? Uh, it's starting to warm up. It's getting to about 90 degrees today. So oh, that it's sounds gonna good. So it's going to be a toasty one. That sounds good. Hey, we know about Adlai Rutschman uh, locally here, but I know you write for FantasyAlarm.com. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you what you think of the Orioles' number one pick. Um, so I thought it was the consensus number one overall pick. I thought they would be very silly not to take Adlai Rutschman number one overall. Um, yes. Catchers don't go number one overall very often. I think Joe Maurer was the last one. But in general, Rutschman has all of the tools you need to be a stud offensive and defensive major league catcher. He's got the defense of Buster Posey in his prime with the bat that's a touch below Gary Sanchez. So 
You're talking about a guy that's going to hit for average, hit for pop, and play gold glove defense behind the plate. And knows how to call a game very well because, let's not forget, Oregon State is a powerhouse in college, and he calls the games for them. So he knows how to work around batters, how to find their weaknesses. So that's a great start already. Uh, in terms of Rutschman and, and being drafted by the Orioles number one, uh, a lot of a lot of fans were talking about or bringing up the comparison between him and Matt Wieters and uh, a switch hitting catcher who was supposed to have a lot of power and uh, came with a lot of accolades and yet in Matt's situation obviously injuries derailed that quite a bit throughout his career but I think even when healthy offensively he never kind of quite lived up to the hype uh is there any fear that rushman could be in that same category not not really i mean the weeders thing does i get the scare from orioles fans and get it as a nats fan yeah i get it too because remember we signed weeders and he didn't really do anything for the nats either yeah um other, other than pitchers, other than pitchers like Strasburg, and and Scherzer, absolutely love throwing to him. That yeah, much, that much, um, I can tell you, for sure. But um, Rutschman has already proven he can play with a wooden bat. I mean, he went to the Cape Cod League, which is the premier college summer league, and he put on a show there. So the transition from the composite bats in college to the wooden bats in the pros shouldn't be an issue. There's very little holes in his swing uh, to start with. Tell us a little bit. Uh, we're focused a lot on the Orioles here, but we are in Masson country here. The Nationals' number one pick, the pitcher, what's his first name? Cameron? Uh, Jackson. Jack, yeah. Jackson, Jackson Rutledge. Rutledge, yeah. Yeah, so they took a pitcher out of San Jacinto Community College, which is down in Texas. Um, it's unusual for a Juco kid to go that high in the draft, but this guy's stuff is remarkably good. He's also huge. He's like six foot eight and I think 240, so that's a pretty big guy on the mound. Uh, he's got right now what I think is the most polished stuff in the draft. Doesn't mean overall that he will wind up having the best stuff, but right now he's got the best stuff. He's got a fastball that sits in the upper 90s. It plays up because he's got an unusually short arm action for a guy that's six foot eight, so it gets on hitters much faster than it normally would. He's got a very good slider. That thing is a wipeout pitch. And he's got a changeup that he didn't have to throw very much in the JUCO ranks, yep. so that's still developing. But when it gets there, that'll give him a third, at least above average pitch. So he could be, we're talking probably a number three starter. Maybe number two, but certainly number three starter upside for the next. And, and he's six eight, right? Yes. And and he he transferred from Arkansas, correct? Correct. He did. He went to Arkansas, and I think they pitched him a grand total of like fifteen in the third innings in his freshman year. And he didn't like the way he was treated, so he transferred to San Jacinto Community College or Junior College uh, in Texas. Talk a little bit, flipping back to the Orioles, uh, so much of the focus on Rutschman. Tell me what you think of the number two pick and whether you think the Orioles think they might be able to sign him over slot because he has a commitment to Auburn, correct, to play baseball? Yeah. Uh, so Gunnar Henderson, 
uh, prep shortstop out of, I believe, Alabama, um, who MLB Pipeline ranked as the 27th best overall prospect in this draft class. Um, he's, you know, he's a guy that's going to bring some pop. He's got some speed. He's a very good defensive shortstop. Uh, and he'll hit for average. The biggest question is, can you sign him away from the commitment he got? He has to Auburn. So that'll take some finagling. You might have to sign Adley Rutschman for a little bit below slot. I think the slot for the number one overall pick is like $8.5 million. Mm-hmm. The slot for what Henderson went to is $1.75 million, if uh-huh. I'm not mistaken. Okay. So if they lower Rutschman by maybe a million dollars, they can give that to Henderson, um, see if they can sign him away from that. Now, in all likelihood, Henderson won't say it's short. In all likelihood, he'll move to third base. Okay. Uh, he is a bigger guy. He's like six foot three, almost 200 pounds already, and we're still talking about a high school senior. Um, so that's kind of a big frame to put it short. I know the Orioles have had a lot of success with big frame shortstops. Cal Ripken Jr. comes to mind. Um, but generally this day and age, they're going back to the smaller, more compact shortstops. Uh, his, his footwork is decent, but his quickness isn't great. So you don't really want that at short. You'll move him to third. His offense will play there. He'll be likely a 25 home run bat, steal probably 10 bags a year at third base. Tell us a little bit. And by the way, we're talking to Matt Zells from fantasyalarm.com. We'll give a plug to them and how you can get this information because Matt really does a great job on fantasy players and the draft for FantasyAlarm.com. But we want to remind all our listeners and viewers that you're watching or listening to the show from the Live Casino Hotel Studio. Um, A lot of focus on these top two players. Uh, Baseball, unlike football, for a lot of the average fan out there, they don't know a lot of names like the first pitcher picked by the Orioles is Griffin McClarty. Uh, is anybody out there on the remaining, you know, 35 players or 40 players, uh, a name that you think we should know about? Yeah, so your next few picks were, were pretty interesting. Stowers yep. uh, out of Stanford. He's got pretty nice pop in his swing. Um, Zach you know, Watson. He can play. I'm sorry, what? God, I just I interrupted you. I said Zach Watson, also an outfielder at LSU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Zach Watson was actually drafted. He was draft eligible last year as a sophomore because of the way the rules in MLB draft work. But uh, he slipped all the way down to the 40th round of the draft because there were some signability questions because as a draft eligible sophomore, he okay. still has the ability to go back to school. Um but he's got tremendous speed. That's his calling card. Uh, he's got like 70-grade speed on the 2080 scale, which puts him at basically plus-plus speed. Okay. Uh, so he can play a very good center field. Um, there's some question about exactly how much pop is in his bat. He's a pretty small-framed guy. I believe he's like 5'11", 165 right now, which is pretty tiny. Um, so he's kind of your prototypical leadoff guy and then he'll he'll wreak havoc on the base path stowers uh, another outfielder out of stanford uh he's got some pretty 
big time pop. The biggest thing with him, though, is his swing needs some refinement. It gets a little long at times. Uh, he's got some swing and miss in his in his swing, which you know isn't really frowned upon these days. But it's more effective if you make contact and then make the ball go farther. In terms of pitching, the McCourty uh, kid that you referenced, the eighth round pick out of college at Charleston. He, I believe, is going to be about a number five starter. Um, the velocity isn't great, but he does have some nice spin rates on his pitches, so he can make it play up a little bit. Um, but in terms of pure stuff, it's not anything better than a number five starter. Um, the ninth round pick, um, Blanken, I think, uh, Gillespie. Yeah, yeah Connor Gillespie. I was going to ask you about him from VCU. Yeah, he's going to be a reliever. Uh, he's mainly a two-pitch pitcher, uh, but his slider is filthy. He's got a really nice high spin rate on the slider, which will play up in the bullpen, especially if he can just air it out. He'll likely be a higher leverage bullpen guy, which will also mean he'll rise faster through the system. Yep. Um, and I think that the next couple of pitchers that, that the Orioles drafted um, – the guy out of West Virginia, um, uh, Stroud. Cade is his, yeah, yeah, Cade Stroud. I think he will mainly be a bullpen guy. Uh, he was a weekend starter for West Virginia, which is a prime spot in college. But the ERA wasn't great, and he's mainly a two-pitch guy. But he does have nice velocity. He's got a fastball that goes about 95 and a wipeout slider. So if you pair those two in the bullpen, that's, that's all you really need. There. Well, let me ask you about Sheldon Perkins out of JMU, and I'm I'm hitting on the guys that are somewhat local, if you will. Yeah. Um, so most of these most of these college arms uh, taken later in the draft, they were taken because they've got one or two pitches you can play with, and you hope that the others develop. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's not a lot of projectability left in college junior or college senior arms. Uh, they're just not going to add a whole lot of frame to them anymore. They're not going to add a whole lot of velocity. So, you know, some of these guys can pop and develop with a more regular and more advanced training routine. So, you know, there's a shot that you could get a couple of number four, number five starters out of these guys, but most of them are going to be bullpen depth or, or back-end uh, starter for the system, if you will. Hey, let me ask you a last question, and we're going to let you go. And we're talking to Matt Zells of FantasyAlarm.com. And, Matt, when I when you answer this, then mm-hmm. I want to give a little plug to Fantasy Alarm. But you and I talked off the air the other day. The, the, the uh, Orioles took at 19-22 and 22, two right-handed pitchers from Oklahoma State. And then at 31-35, and 35, they took two left-handed pitchers out of Seattle University. Can you talk a little bit just generally how that happens that you end up – is that a case where you go to look at the one guy and all of a sudden you, the scout's there and you go, wow, this other guy looks really good? Yeah, so, you know, I don't think it's a secret, but, but every baseball team has tons of scouts that go out and they're generally regional scouts that drive that cover multiple states and schools at a time and they'll sit there and they'll watch the games and and generally 
they are there to watch specific guys on specific days. So sometimes what happens is you go to, let's say, Oklahoma State, and the guy is supposed to start that day, but he doesn't, and the guy starts in his place, and you like what you see. So now you come back for the next time the guy you were supposed to see starts, and you start looking at both of them. Mm -hmm. And you like them a little bit, and you bring out your your area cross-checker, the guy that talks back to the, the front office, and he comes out and says, or she comes out and says, yeah, you know, I like both of these these players too so let's add them to the list and let's keep watching them and it's the same thing that, that likely happened with seattle university uh with with those two, two left-handers and oklahoma state um, yeah because yeah they didn't actually take they only took what three left-handed pitchers yep all draft yep yep um they took 16 right-handed pitchers i believe mm-hmm. so they actually took twice as many catchers as they took left-handed pitchers which is odd yes um but, yeah, so generally that's kind of how it works. I had told you the story off-air about Justin Tuck, uh-huh. the, the defensive end for the Giants who wound up going to Notre Dame because the the scouts for Notre Dame wound up taking a wrong turn on the <laughs> way to another kid's high school football game, right. and they went to Justin Tuck's game instead and saw him and liked what they saw and offered him a scholarship, uh-huh. and the rest is history. So, you know, these things happen where guys just jump out and uh, – you know, the same thing we talked about Corey Lee for the for the uh, Astros, the new uh, O's GM's former team. They took the catcher from Cal because he was hitting behind Andrew Vaughn. They had originally gone out there to look at Andrew Vaughn, realized they weren't going to be high enough in the draft to get him, and stuck because they were looking at, at Corey Lee, the catcher who got a benefit from hitting behind him. So, you know, these kind of things happen throughout the draft all the time. Before we let you go, Matt, and we really appreciate you coming on. You're a, uh, a content provider for FantasyAlarm.com. Tell folks out there listening or watching how they can access your info. Do they have to join Fantasy Alarm? Is some of it free information? Tell us about it. So, yeah, if you go to FantasyAlarm.com, you will see tons of information. We cover both daily and seasonal fantasy sports. Some of the information is free, some of it you have to join for, but we have deals going all the time. Uh, I believe we still have a lifetime membership going. You pay once and you get everything we ever put out for the rest of your life for a one-time fee. <laughs> uh, we have NFL, you know, NFL Draft Guide just came out. Um, that's kicking up. You know, that's starting up sooner than we think, actually. Yeah. Um, MLB Prospect stuff comes out every week from myself. Um, you know, we got tons of stuff coming out. Some of it's free, some of it's paid for. So you should go check that out. All right. I'm a big fan. I love Howard Bender and everything he does over there. And Jim Bowden's with you guys. I think Craig Mish is now a part of the FantasyAlarm.com team. Uh, but we uh, appreciate, is, yes. yeah, we appreciate your joining us when we call. Thanks, Matt. Have a great sure rest thing. of your weekend, buddy. You as well. All right. There yeah. you go. All right. We were talking about Rutschman, right? Yeah. And uh, there's a story out from CBSSports.com that says the Orioles could play the number one draft pick at positions other than catcher, basically what we were talking about. And uh, one person who directly read this column says, I have no problem with this. He says, this is the approach the team should have taken way back when, when they drafted Jason Worth. Uh, uh you know, 1-22 in 1977. He says, eventually, 
uh, Worth indicated he did not intend on playing catcher right. as his career position, but the regime at the time, Sid Thrift, uh, said that he was going to be the catcher. Well, you just let me just interrupt briefly. Yeah. Remember, he was drafted by Gillick. Right. I guarantee you, Gillick would have moved, moved him moved to him other around. positions. Right. Exactly. As Sid and then, Thrift worked, Sid couldn't wait to get rid of him to prove Pat didn't know what he was doing. Right. Yeah. So they traded him to Toronto for John Bale. Right. And the Blue Jays moved him to, to the outfield soon afterwards. And uh, that the, the Blue Jays took into consideration the players' desires as well, something the Orioles didn't do. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah. But it was interesting that Sid Thrift <coughs> must have been the general manager of the Orioles for about two weeks, and he traded Worth to Toronto. And then you know who they turned around and traded Bale to? Or for? Who? Gary Matthews Gary Jr. Yeah, that's right, that's right, yeah. 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 All right, Sarge, Sarge little, little Sarge, Sarge little yeah. Sarge. And, and you know the only the only good advice Sid Thrift ever gave me right. was out in San Francisco. We right. were traveling with the team, and we're sitting in the dugout at the brand new Pac Bell Park at mm-hmm. that time. And I said, "What do you think of the place?" And Sid looked at me and he says, "Heisty, nothing beats waterfront property." <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, joining us now is a friend of the program. Well, and a, okay. friend, and a friend of mine. He's an acquaintance. That's right, a friend of yours, correct. And he's a, a friend of yours. And he's a nemesis of our other co-host. That's right. Because that is the one and only Bill Latson because of MLB.com. In, in the 12 years I've known him, I've never liked him. <laughs> How are you, William? Hey, dude, all right. How about you? Hanging in there. Uh, are you on your way to uh, City Field? Uh, no, a little bit. A couple, I have a couple more hours, but yes, I'll be covering the Mets and Rockies. Okay. Now, this has got to be a rough week for you. What, have the Yankees lost three out of four this week? Yeah, yeah, but they're still in first place. That's the bottom line. Yeah, but what but, the hell's uh, what the hell's this stumble yeah, but, about? But, but wait a minute. But let's get to the crux of this from the beginning. Yeah, we're three weeks into the season, right? And I'm getting constant text and then stuff on Facebook about the injury. The Yankees stink. They're done. They they have no season. They're, it's just over with. And here they are in first place. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, but but you know what though? They should have started the season <laughs> really 15 and 0 if you think about it because. They play teams like the Orioles and the Tigers. And if you remember, those teams uh, won the series against them. So uh, that's why I was upset. All right. I got to ask you the big question this week. What the hell happened between, like, Sunday and Wednesday when it was like a foregone conclusion that the Yankees had Dallas Keuchel all locked up? He was willing to shave his beard to pitch for the Yankees. And then come went late Wednesday or early Thursday, Keuchel is with the uh, – Atlanta Braves, what happened? I, I just think it came down to money. Yep. Uh, and I also think, you know, I can't help but think that the rules uh, played a role, too. Because, you know, this is a guy, as you said, had to shave his beard, his mustache. Right. And, uh, you, you know, uh, people today uh, don't buy into that anymore. So, uh, but, you know, this is the Yankees. So uh, what more can you expect? It's because Hal, Hal Steinbrenner looked at him and said, you shave your beard. <laughs> no, probably... That would have been George Steinberg doing that. <clears throat> oh, there's no so, question about that. Yeah, yeah, but the the uh, I, I gotta tell you, compared to George Steinbrenner, the uh, Steinbrenner family have been mild in terms of uh, getting rid of players. I mean, they're not like what uh, George Steinbrenner used to do. Yeah, no question about it. They've they've been uh, sort of the. Uh, you know they're they're not the impetuous uh, emotional 
they're they're very logical and reserved in uh, all their moves. I think. Yeah, and they rely heavily on their minor league system now. I mean, you could say that about uh, George Steinbrenner in the past. And you and they trust the guy in charge of the baseball operation. You know, I mean, they yes. they don't let them yes. run ripshot over it and not have to answer questions. But uh, they they respect his knowledge of the game and and the job that he's done. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, Brian Cashman has done a great job. And, uh, you know, can they go all the way this year? You know what? I I don't know uh, because I'm not impressed with their pitching. I mean, seriously, I'm not impressed with their pitching. And uh, we got to see how their uh, their offense, you you hope that it can be consistent. So we got to wait and see. So let me ask you a question. Of the starters, that was the one free shot you had. And when I say free, in terms of compensation, all it cost you was money to sound Dallas Keuchel, to sign Dallas Keuchel. Of the pitchers that are potentially available out there, from Madison Bumgarner to Dylan Bundy to Andrew Kashner and a whole host of other names out there of other teams, uh, Danny Duffy, I guess, could be somebody. Somebody Is there anybody that, that – calls out the Bill Latson, this is the guy the Yankees should get. Is it Mad Bum? I think I think it's Madison Bumgarner, Bumgarner because this guy has postseason experience. The, I mean, we saw what the guy did when he came out of the bullpen. He was outstanding. Uh, he stayed in there with, what, five innings that last game in 2014. Yeah, he was he was the reason he was the reason they beat the Royals in that series. That's correct. That's correct. And, and the Royals should have won that series. But you know what? I I would go with uh, Madison Bumgarner. So uh, so let me ask you. Let me ask you. Back on the East Coast too. Let me ask you a question. If if the if they called up Farhan Zaidi and said you know and they're getting Judge back at a certain point in the next three four weeks hopefully uh, Stanton should be fairly close. Would would Clint Frazier and Tyro Estrada be a fair deal for Bumgarner? No, no, you got to get more of that. You got to get you more than get, it. Oh, yeah. Well, look what the Yankees did. Yeah, I mean they they received a a, a, a look, boatload. I'm looking stuff. at two everyday players though that are controllable. Yeah, they received a boat right, but they received a boatload of stuff. Yeah, you, you know for for. Uh, you know, for for Andrew Miller, think right. about that. Yeah, they they got. Well, I mean, yeah, so so think about that for a minute. I, I I think that's too little. Okay. I would want at least four top prospects for uh, you know, for a Madison Bumgarner. What if no What if Bumgarner is not giving you the impression he wants to ultimately be in New York long term? Uh, listen, he's not that way. Believe me, I was around him the other day. Uh, he, he can handle it. He, he can, can handle, handle New York. York. Okay. Yeah, and, and plus, he'd be back on the East Coast. He's from North Carolina. Yeah. He can handle it. You know why he can handle it? Because he doesn't He doesn't give a damn about what other people think about him. That's why. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. He, he, uh, <laughs> he has that attitude where, hey, man, I can do anything. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, I, th- I think he'd be the right guy for that situation. I think he'd be the right guy for the Phillies, too. And I think the Phillies were really the team I was surprised weren't in on uh, Keuchel at all. Well, yeah, the pitching, uh, you know, is, has been up and down this year. Not only that, though, but I think they need more bullpen 
anything yeah, else. Yeah. Uh, well, I think everybody in that division need. I think everybody in that division needs more bullpen. <laughs> oh yes, yes, no doubt about but it. But you know, uh, you know, going back to Bumgarner, the the best thing about this is, you you know, you can do it, but it might not be a wise idea. But you can keep him off ATVs in New York. <laughs> yeah, you got a better chance of that. Oh, no question yeah, about it. You, you <laughs> broke his hand. Correct. We're talking to Bill Latson. He's on the bat around right now. We're broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios where Glenn Clark Radio is heard every day, Monday through Friday from 10 to 12. And also, that's where the Ross Grimsley Show is uh, broadcast out of every Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock a.m. from the live casino hotel studios. Bill, let me ask you this. Uh, We're heading toward the All-Star break. And with all the injuries that the Yankees have had to endure, who's going to the All-Star game from this team? Wow, that's a great question. Oh, um... I try to, I try to ask them every now and then. How about Glaber Torres? Well, yeah, but, I mean, that's it's the Glaber obvious Torres. one. But How about Aroldis Chapman? Yeah, uh... uh, uh yeah, pro- probably so. Probably okay. so. Uh... Who else? Uh, how about Gio? how about Gio? Gary Sanchez? No way. Uh, I don't think so. Doesn't go to the All Star game with nineteen home runs. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think. All right. Uh, Gio. Uh, Rochella. He Gio Rochella. Yeah. He's going to get to the All Star team. Yeah, the third baseman. Are you are yeah. you watching him? I know he's having a terrific year. He's who's he going to beat out? Oh, you know, I forgot, though. Wait a minute. The fans' vote doesn't quite uh, hold, hold the through. muster yeah. that it used to. Yeah. Yeah, I got to. Yeah. You, you go through a first round, and then it gets down to the final three at each position. Right, and then baseball picks right. them out. All right. <clears throat> I still don't see oh. Urshela making the uh, all-star team. Yeah. All right. He's done a great job. Oh, How, about well, well, How about LeMayu? How about LeMayu? Get ready to say DJ LeBayhew. Yeah. Oh, no question. He's in. He's, he's, he's been the best signing they made, I think, all year. All oh, no question about it. Yeah, he's playing all over the place. He's playing second base now. Right that, now, that Didi's back, but uh, he's playing all over the place. He's been outstanding. So wait a minute, if he's playing second base with Didi's back, where's T- Torres playing? No, no. I mean, Didi. I mean, uh, DJ Lemayhew is going to play all over. All over, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Let me ask you a question: Has any discussion been around? DJ DD Gregorius about him playing second base rather than short because of the Tommy John surgery? No, 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 no chance. Okay, no chance. Uh, it just uh, you know he's staying at short and he's the everyday shortstop. All right, I want to ask you a question uh, outside of uh, the New York Yankees. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about managers on the hot seat. I think three, four weeks ago, you and I, Bill, would have would have thought. That Dave Martinez and uh, Mickey Calloway were the two managers on the hottest seats. They and that's su- still the case. They and somehow the case. they somehow survived, and it yeah. looked in the case of the Nats that they had gotten past their bad times until the last two nights. They had two tough losses on the West Coast. Yeah, that's still the case. Uh, you know, like I, I thought the Nationals were back to normal until. You know, this is what I did. This is no lie. When they had that four nothing lead against the Padres, right? I went to bed. I said, "Okay, this is over." Those no kids watch so, it. So you're the one to blame, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I woke up. I said, "Oh my god, they lost the game!" And then I watched the game uh, after after I watched the uh, the Mets and Rockies, 
that I could believe it. I could believe uh, the uh, the Doolittle uh, blew that game. So well, he blew it. He blew it last night, but the night before, the bullpen did not give up a run. There was a bad play made by uh, Trey, Trey Turner and Rendon. Turner right. probably took the uh, right initiative because that was the only out he felt like he could get. But the ball was thrown a little high, and it went off Rendon's glove and allowed two runs to score. Yeah, I, I think uh, – but, but, you know, nothing's changed since I last spoke to you. They have to improve their bullpen. You know, my problem with the Nationals, and I understand they're, they're uh, you know, over the, over the luxury tax. I understand that. But the thing that's bothered me over the years is that, unlike the Cubs, for example, they never go for the gusto. You know, uh, you know, when they need a bullpen guy, they go for the you know the Cubs go for the number one guy, and the Nationals have not done that during the Mike Rizzo era. They haven't gone for the great close they can get to pass the first round. Here he is comparing the Mike Rizzo era to a beer commercial. <laughs> <laughs> going for the gusto. Going for the yeah, gusto, that's, that's, right? It's true, though. It's true. Well, it's and it's ironic too that in 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 trying to acquire these second banana closers, and I won't call them second bananas, but you they're know, not. They're no, not you the. Said it right. No, okay. They are but, second but, but it's interesting that they gave up two of the best closers in the game, and Blake Trinan and uh, Felipe Rivera. Yeah, yeah but, but Blake Blake Trinan needed a change of scenery because. Whatever he was doing with the Nationals just wasn't getting it right. done. Uh, I know that. You know, everybody, know every, everybody talks about the, the bowling ball, you know, the sinker and the ground balls. But when Blake Trinan was pitching for the Nationals, a lot of that stuff was in the middle of the plate and getting hammered. Right. Well, Correct. you've seen him more Correct. than I have. I agree. I agree. Anyway. He's uh, not having a good year this year either. He's not having a good year. No, he started off very strong, but the last month he's been a little bit shaky. Um, yeah. Bill, before we get you out of here, uh, what are two two or three other stories in the game you think are worth following right now? Well, I mean, uh, definitely uh, Kimball. I mean, that's number one. And, and I think that we have to watch the Tampa Bay Rays. Because, you know, everyone keeps talking about it. I find this funny. Everyone keeps talking about the Red Sox and Yankees right. being the rival. But I got news for you. The Tampa Bay Rays are not going away. No. And, and, and they're good. They have good pitching, hitting. Uh, you know, you got to hand to their front office. They've done a great job. And uh, and using uh, the closing by committee, the, the bullpen by committee, that's been outstanding for them. So, uh I gotta give him credit. I say, watch out for the right. Where will Derek? Where will Derek Falve now try and solve the bullpen issues of the Twins? Because they went after Kimbrel hard. They wanted him. They realized they got a hole there. Who who might that be? To tell you, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe one uh, of the maybe one of the Giants trio of. Uh, Sam Dyson, Tony Watson, or Will Will Smith? Yeah, I mean those guys are good. Yeah, Will Smith I, I is know, great. You, I think Will Smith is great. You don't know what the new GM is going to do, so yeah, I don't know. We have to wait and see there. But but you know what? The Twins have a big lead now, so you know yeah. I can say wait and see. They could sell the problem with within, so we'll wait and see. You know, it's interesting. That's what I thought was going to win the day for Craig Kimbrell was that they had such a big lead that they could offer to really take their time with him, you know, right. and give him the three weeks that he needs to really get ready. 
rather than – and then when he'd come in, he'd still be pitching for a team with an eight- or ten-game lead rather than being with the Cubs where it's going to be pressure, pressure, pressure from day one. Right. We'll see. Right, but I think the Twins are going to be okay. I think the Twins won the division already. I think it's over. Yeah. And one last question, the Dodgers. What do they need to do to round out the uh, roster? Is it one more guy to set up for Jansen? Is, uh, is it Shane Green of the Tigers? I mean, that that could be. I mean, they could use another reliever, but my concern is their offense. I think they need a consistent offense. I need. I think Dave Roberts need to stop with Tooney. I'm not a fan of it, of mm-hmm. what he does. So uh, I think their offense needs to be more consistent outside of uh, who they have. So I, I think... Uh, I say they need to improve the offense more than anything else. All right. One more, one more question for you, real quick. How you doing physically? I'm doing okay. I can't complain. I'm going to the game. Good uh, tonight. So uh, I'm okay. I appreciate you asking. All right. Well, we got to get some publicity out there for to to get a Yankee fan that loves Bill Latson or loves other Yankee. Maybe not loves Bill Latson. Loves other Yankee fans to donate a kidney to Bill Latson. And what blood type are you, Bill? O negative. O negative, which is the rarest type, right? That's correct. You have to find a Yankee fan, though, that loves Bill Latson. Yeah. Yeah. How many of those are really out there? <laughs> yeah, I started with the big, the big, the big group, picture, the big yeah, group, the Yankee fan. But to find one that loves Bill Latson, yeah, I know that's another story, story altogether. All right. Yeah, man, I know. Right. We love you, buddy. We'll keep plugging it. You got it, man. Love o, you guys too. Man. O positive, right? O negative. O negative. The blood type is O negative. Looking for a baseball fan that would be interested in donating a kidney to one Bill Latson. All right. Bill, we'll talk to you soon down the road. Thank you. You got it, man. You take care. All right. Got to tell you. Got to tell you a little bit about the um, Live Casino Hotel. They have another great concert on the schedule. That's right. Get tickets now to see Boz Skaggs Out of the Blue Tour on Friday, June the 28th. Tickets start at $45. Include $10 in free slots. Play. Go to Live Casino Hotel.com now to get your tickets to the show. This is Ross Grimsley with a reminder to all my baseball friends out there that I'm now part of the Press Box podcast team. Catch my take on the O's and whatever's going on in this great game of baseball. We'll also touch base with some of my old friends and teammates. Tune in every Tuesday morning or listen anytime at PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show. I like world-famous chicken. You like world-famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms world-famous chicken's always fresh, never frozen. Because it's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices. Because it's cooked on the spot, right in the store. And because it's the juiciest, best-tasting chicken on the planet. That's why everyone likes Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Western fries, too. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Respect. It's more than a word. 
In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Section 336 here with all your Baltimore sports talk. The Raven season is now done. But the Orioles season is just ahead. We have a new GM. We have a new manager. We have a few new baseball players out there. Reason for optimism. I don't know if you can name any of those new players. And I think we won 40-some <laughs> games last year. Yeah, but I remember a terrible year in 1988 where we were able to turn it around the very next year in 1989. Why not 2019? Yeah, why not? Why not check out Section 336 at Section336.com, Facebook, or on Twitter and iTunes as well. Just search for Section 336. The latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover. Luke Jackson dives into the options the Orioles have with the number one pick in the MLB draft and the significance of them picking number one for just the second time ever as they're in the throes of a rebuild. Plus, Bo Smolka looks into the Oklahoma connections developing for the Ravens after using two of their first five picks on former Sooners for the second year in a row. Press Box is available for free at over five area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com The Glory Days Grill-to-Go menu is based on a simple reality. You can't spend your whole life at Glory Days Grill. Your boss wouldn't like it and neither would your kids or your dog. So come to Glory Days and get your food to go. On your way to soccer practice or to the office or to, well, wherever. We know the hardest part of visiting Glory Days Grill is leaving. But at least you take a little piece of us wherever you go. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports. As the weather heats up, the menu at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square cools down. Introducing the all-new Frosted Key Lime, a fun twist on one of America's favorite pies. The new treat is a hands fun combination of Chick-fil-A's signature ice dream, Chick-fil-A lemonade, and natural sugar-free lime flavoring made from a blend of key limes, copper limes, and Persian limes. Frosted Key Lime gets its green color from a mix of nutrient-rich ingredients. Download the Chick-fil-A app today, place your order, and get points towards free stuff at our Chick-fil-A, Nottingham Square. Plus, if you order using your app, your food will be ready when you get there. Stop by Chick-fil-A in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center at 5198 Campbell Boulevard and tell Steve we sent you and we are back to close out the battle round for this saturday craig heist what do you got in store i know you're going to watch max scherzer tonight well here's the here's the great thing about the nats and the orioles being out of town at the same time right you can go to the and 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 with toronto coming in for the first three games of the season uh, Uh, but then the red sox come in for the weekend right but the Nats are also home for the weekend. Playing Arizona. Playing Arizona. So I'm going to miss Jones. The, I'm going to miss the Red Sox series okay. at the yard. Uh, so I got to talk to Luke Jones. Say, hey, pal. <laughs> you, you mind doing me a favor? <laughs> All right. But anyway, uh, yeah, Max Scherzer uh, on the hill tonight. Steven Strasburg. And they really need these two wins because, you know, the, the Phillies are uh, in a situation where they win last night. And they are seven. I'm going to say they're seven games under 500 
and eight games out in the division. Yeah, these were two. Eight, losing one of these two wouldn't have been a, a wouldn't have been a, a catastrophe. Killer, but, 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 but to lose, especially last night's game, because you fall behind three nothing. Eric Fetty pitches well. You get the three runs in the seventh inning uh, to tie the game, and then you get the go-ahead run on a wild pitch, and then Doolittle's not able to close it out. I think they do get one positive, though. I think because Giolito, I think, is pitching today, I think, for mm-hmm. Chicago. Okay. Which means he will probably miss the Tuesday-Wednesday series in Chicago. Okay. Correct? Yeah, but probably. Sunday, yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. not going to come back on right. the fourth day. He's going to – all right. So right. they miss him. I mean, he's right. arguably pitching as well as anybody. And the, and the other got thing right now is uh, the Orioles in terms of, yeah, the record's not where you would like to see it, but we knew that was going to happen. But I want to continue to see the competitive baseball that we've That's, seen over the last week or so, especially – uh, you know what they are, They're, and it's a term. It's an, a term of affection, and it's a term that Pat Gillick used to used to use. They're grinders. They are grinding. They're right. Not very good, but they're grinding, and that means you're playing the game hard. Not always right either, but they're playing hard. I they're like playing that. hard, and they're starting pitching to a large degree over this last week and a half to to ten days. Is giving them a chance to win games. Just got to get a, a little bit more on the offensive end. Yep. All right. Well, that wraps up the show. Good to see Ryan McGittigan back again. Thank you. Thank you, Stan. I thought you forgot about me for the first two hours of no, the show. No, no, no. Uh, you, you, you're just not Brittany. That's all. Yeah, that's, that's you, got a, you got a long way to go. Train. Hi, Mom, by the way. Yeah, you got a long way to go. <laughs> uh, we thank you for being here. We thank our friends outside there, uh, Griffin Bass. Right. And Brett Blum. And we keep the door closed just because yeah, of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Have a great week ahead, everybody. Again, Glenn Clark back with Kyle Ottenheimer Monday through Friday. 10 to 12 from the Live Casino Hotel Studios.